good evening and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. So welcome, everybody. We are very excited because we have a very special friend of ours joining us today, Mr. Stephen Wayne, DJ extraordinaire. Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us because I I realize that you are coming off an extremely busy weekend. Um, You had a live DJ set this past weekend on Saturday on Twitch. Virtual, yes, but promoting an actual in-person event that you are going to be a part of, um, Lost at Sea, um, 80s Weekend, in Catalina Island on the West Coast uh, for our California SoCal peeps. Um, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, first, thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys, Cherry Ice Cream Smiles team. I, I appreciate you guys. I like, like what you guys do. And yeah, as far as this 80s event, it's, uh, it is what it is. It's a, it's an 80s festival that we're promoting, I'm promoting, that I'm going to be DJing. I will be the, the DJ for the evening. And this is happening on May 29th, actually about right under two weeks from now at Catalina Island. I think they call it Descanso Beach. I've never been there, but it's going to be a real cool party outdoors on the beach. A bunch of our favorite bands are going to be there. It's going to be headlined by a flock of seagulls. Uh, We have all the members from Oingo Boingo, former members, are going to perform all the favorite Boingo hits. As well as we have like Drama Rama, uh, Trans X. Anna Bella from Bow Wow Wow, where everybody likes Bow Wow Wow. And we have Burning Sensations going to be there. And um, it's going to be hosted by Richard Blade from Sirius XM, as well as Mike Score of Fox Eagles. That sounds like oh, so much fun. Yeah, it'll be cool because it's going to be the first big 80s concert since the initial lockdown. So, and what better place is outdoors on the beach? Because, you know, to be honest, a lot of people still have cold feet about going out still, uh, rightfully so. So, but they know it's safe now since most of us are vaccinated, but it's kind of like getting your feet wet, literally, on the beach. <laughs> rather than a stuffy concert or venue, yeah. And you know what, Stephen, it's kind of funny. I was on the 80s cruise with Annabella. So Saturday night, she talked about that we were on the last cruise out before, like, the cruises just stopped happening. So mm-hmm. I was part of the last 80s extravaganza, and you're going to kick off the first one. So I think that's quite appropriate. <laughs> oh, and yeah. And, and, you know, there are tickets still available. They've been selling a lot of tickets. So there are going to be a lot of people there. I mean, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of people on the beach. And there are still a few tickets left. So if you're interested, uh, just go ahead and look at lost80slive.com and there's ticket information. And uh, you guys should come out too from uh, Texas area. <laughs> I would love to do that because I'm dying to get to the beach. Um, I also saw that you've got something coming up in October. It's 80s in the sand that you're going to be DJing then too. And a lot of that looks sold out too. This is our, I think this will be our fourth one, I think. And I've been, I've been their official DJ since day one. Once again, it's just a big 80s festival with all the 80s artists, as well as these. This one brings a lot of 80s actors and uh, oh, pop, wow. pop culture faces, that celebrities that we're familiar with. That's going down October 25th um, over in Cancun, Mexico. This is the first year we're shifting it to Cancun. Before that, I was at the Dominican Republic in Punta Cana. Yeah, kind of just shifting the scene to another island or another uh, beach area. 
yeah, this year's event, it was supposed to be last November, but due to COVID, it got postponed. So we're, I'm getting being told, it's, we're moving forward with it. Everything's going. And we have the headliners, is Billy Idol. Yeah. On it. And uh, yeah, we have Cheap Tricks going to be there. And uh, Belinda Carlisle and Sheena Easton and Little oh. River Band and wow. Raw Bass. And just, oh. just a, a mixed bag of 80s music. It's a, it's, a, it's a week-long event. So. It's a, yeah, it's a great lineup. And a lot of the 80s cruisers are also, they go to Ace in the Sand because one's in the spring and one's in the fall. So I may, last minute, try to make my way down to the beach because Cancun's not that far away from Texas. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or flight. Yeah. Direct, yeah, Southwest is put into direct flight. So that's right. I think we could go direct. It would be awesome. Yeah, we could go nonstop. So that's, yeah, you know, that's good. I, I haven't been to the 80s cruise, and it seems like it's a lot of fun, but uh, our event's on land. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. on land, which is pretty cool. And it, it's basically the same type of environment, but on land, at a resort, at the beach. If it's one thing, there's another. There's uh, pool parties in the daytime, and then there's concerts at night. And then it's stay up late and eat at the all-inclusive restaurants late at night till the early morning, go sleep, and repeat the next day. So. It, does not, it, it does not sound like it will suck. So I think it sounds <laughs> like it would be really super fun. I am kind of the 80s crazy person on the podcast, so um, you are just speaking my language. Even, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what bands? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still trying to understand your team and learn your team. What bands are you guys into? Well, I mean, our, of course, our primary focus from our name, you know, we love Duran Duran. That's our primary focus. One of my other favorite bands is Aha, and I'll let the other girls talk about their other favorite band. They come up. Uh, mine's pretty eclectic. I I love I've loved Duran Duran for forever. I also love Nine Inch Nails. I also love Pool. I also love uh, Chris Isaac. Um, <laughs> And I would have said Nine Inch Nails for you, Diana, for sure. Yeah, I, I've, I've been Nine Inch Nails for a long time. Um, I have two older brothers, so the, my musical taste runs the gamut because some of them, one of them was into heavy metal, the other one was into like Blondie and the Police, Jimi Hendrix. My parents had music playing all the time at home, Tejano music, and, um, salsa music, and that sort of thing. Okay. So it, I just I have very eclectic taste. My brother was also a DJ um, for a little while, so so yeah, it, you know, I love dance music too. Okay, good. So you're 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 um well versed, well versed. That's good. Thing. You gotta be fun. Yeah. Yeah. What are you and then, So I um I am kind of like D. I'm not into the industrial kind of really heavy stuff. I love you know my other favorite band right now is the Foo Fighters. So I'm like traveling all over the place to see to see them live. Been a Durani since 1982. REM and XS, you know all that that was going on back then. Still part of my normal playlist. But I've recently declared 1977 the best year. Music because of what came out of New York at that time, like the Ramones and Blondie and Television, all those bands, the Talking Heads, of course, and David Byrne's birthday was just yesterday. But yeah, just just kind of that really cool vibey um, New York sound that came out in '77. I'm really digging. Right before New Wave. Uh, right, exactly. Right. It was kind of the precursor to New Wave. It kind of makes sense that I gravitated towards that in a backwards way, I guess. <laughs> 
many a snow patrol show <laughs> as well as ranchos, you know, the cure, but I also love, you know, my, my, my first concert ticket that I purchased this year is for Arlo Park in Austin. I'm really excited to see her. She's an up and comer. Um, she's played a lot on Wush, Simon and Caddy's show, but I discovered her actually before they started playing her on Wush, I might say. I mean, I'm all over the place as well, too. So, um, I love all kinds of music as well. So, and I know that you are a Durani and that's actually how we personally met. You actually, not only are you a Durani, but you put together compilation albums yourself of all of our favorite new wave artists as well. And that's, you know, for the listeners out there who don't know, that's how we actually met. We actually, I saw, I kept seeing your, your, your frequency CD all over my, my, uh, Facebook feed, uh, like probably eight, nine years ago, whenever that came out. And I was like, I keep seeing this guy's, uh, CD on my feed and we had all these mutual friends and you actually privately messaged me and it's like, I'll send you a copy. And that's how our friendship started. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Free, yeah. Free, free, so thank you for free. that. Yeah. You're welcome. I hope you liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I like all of your mixes and not only do you seamlessly put together songs, but you actually frequently sometimes have the uh, artists that we may know drop in from time to time. <laughs> yeah, it makes it a little funner, you know, get them involved yeah. in your video, so, you know, I'm familiar you care to mention who you've had, you care to mention he's dropped your name on your compilation? Oh, no, yeah, don't drop my name. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a, this, but also, this, this is pre-cameo, right? <laughs> Exactly. But also, go ahead. I will say that we're mixing not only visually when you when you have your your Twitch programs as well, but like you know from a sonic point of view, how do you come up with how you are going to put a compilation? Curious. Yeah, you know when I make my mix CDs, they're more planned out because I could sit and plan it. Versus when I'm playing a live show, I'm usually 99% of the time winging. I'm just looking at the crowd and just seeing what what is going to work or what's not going to work. I could look at the, the demographics and see what's going to work and, and go from there. So that's 100% live and just winging it. Same with the live streams. That's pretty much winging it. Also, I I'll play whatever I feel it might work, and most of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know that's what's live. Steven, it works. it works great because I've been on a few live stream now and I love it because you you go deep you give us a few kind of hits that we know but then you're always giving me that second or third song but I'm like I used to love that song the ones that we don't hear and I love that and you know your transitions even on the live stream they're great so you're saying you're winging it but you must it must be your ear because even the other night people were making comments like great transitions (laughs) they were noticing it was awesome yeah, no, it's kind of like I don't know how to explain. It. It's almost like when when I'm DJing, it's almost like you got you gotta you gotta throw them you gotta throw them a bone, and you gotta they gotta know what you're doing. You can't be too obscure and too deep, cause that's just not fun. I mean, it's not a game, it's not a contest. You know, deeper tracks. It's about people singing along and knowing the song, and then, then when they're not ready, kind of you know, knock them out with a. a, a deeper cut and they're like oh cool and they didn't realize they liked it but they're moving to it and kind of just work it in there that's what i, I always i always heard the the uh, idea that the dj gets them onto the floor with the songs that they know and then like you just said wax them with the one they don't but they're there on the floor already and they're like oh yeah this is cool too and that's I kind of like that philosophy of a DJ. Just kind of trick them and keep them there. (laughs) I like like to say that a good DJ will make you dance and party to the songs you didn't think you wanted to dance and party to. It's kind of like that theory. But, you know, at the the end of the day, just like radio, you got to keep it familiar, too. 
can't go too deep and too weird and obscure because then you're playing for a, a small crowd. That's like you got to pick the masses. But going back to uh, Stephanie's question about the CDs, uh, yeah, I, I get a lot more planning time with CDs. So uh, I get to lay out and see what direction I want to go. Do I want to go mainstream or I could go deeper now because the mix CD that's not really playing to the dance floor. So I can play the deeper cut that I'm not worried about people leaving a dance floor. So I get a lot more planning on this. And I get to I get to do retakes too of the sound. <laughs> Are you working on a new compilation or something coming up soon? No, I'm not. Um, actually, when I came out my last one, it was probably a little over a year ago. It was called Miles Away. And when I made that one, um, I'm not sure. I got you on that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have the um, last, last three of yours. Yeah, yeah. So that one, when I made it, going into it, I decided uh, that was going to be my last CD. Just because I, I didn't want to make any more. I, I've said what I had to say in the last four or five CDs I put out. And I'm like, okay, I think people are cool out here for a while. Just take a little break, but now I'm getting a little itch now. Maybe I should do another one. So uh, Miles Away was yeah, yeah, I was planning on, that was, that was when I made it. Even before I decided on the first track, I was like, I think this is it. This is the last one. I even, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So I was, then when it was done, I was like, that's it. I'm good. And right now I'm getting kind of itchy. Do you have a theme in mind when you make these, or is it just things that come to you, songs that come to you? I usually have a, a, a theme. Okay. I mean, uh, like bands, they, you know, we have a story to tell. Yeah, I, I guess I can say that. I, I like to keep a, a direction. Usually a theme works well when I could, you know, see when I mix the songs, what can I say in between them, or what theme, or uh, catchphrases, or just to make it. And then I, right away, one of the first things I'm thinking of is the album art. That needs to work. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, so I think visually it has to look good, and then the product will support it. But if it's a crappy album art that doesn't have a good theme or a story or, or direction, then the mix is kind of just another mix by some yo schmo DJ. <laughs> yeah. I, it makes me think of mixtapes. Every mixtape I ever made had some kind of theme or goal to uh, the tape that I made, so that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, just like just like our band, visuals is everything, right? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. It just makes the product easier to digest or hopefully easier for for the people that are listening to this podcast and are not familiar with your work can you kind of um, dive into how you got started with DJing and how your partnership with your partner <laughs> that people may be familiar yeah. with kind of started yeah I, I, I actually started DJing in um, high school around sophomore year always wanted to DJ never had the means to because DJ equipment is very, very expensive. Actually, I wanted to DJ when I was in elementary school because I would go to like the school dances and I would see the DJ. We always had the same DJ at the school dance in elementary school. He was the librarian's son. And this was like in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, this was in the in the early early 80s. So he was doing his, uh, you know, his African babada and all that uh-huh. style scratching. He's also fasting with the scratches. They're probably... They were probably sloppy back then, but I thought it was the coolest thing. And he was doing his uh, Buffalo Girls and scratching, and I was like, I want to do that. And you know, I never had the means. And eventually, when I got into high school, I met some some fellows, and they um, had equipment. I started playing around with their garage, with their equipment, and got my feet wet, and actually been playing pretty much regularly ever since. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, ever since. And currently, I'm working. My DJ partner is uh, Richard Blade from Sirius XM, K-Rock legend, and he's a DJ also. And, uh, I met him back in 2000. I think I, I believe it was 2007. I met him at a club, 
because I was the resident DJ at the club in Downey, California. It was called Club Addiction. It was a small dive bar club. It was really cool though, very 80s. Um, the owner said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a late from DJ set." We're like, "Cool!" That was like a new thing, a new thing, because he wasn't doing a lot of those types of gigs. So they connected, and he came up for a guest spot. And I was the I was the DJ for the night, so we talked a little bit. Like you know, I said the same thing that everyone else says. You know, I can see you ever since I was a kid. Blah blah blah. And he's always polite. Okay, cool. <laughs> and that was that. I never heard from him for more months. And came back to the club again. Remember me? He said hi. Eventually, we exchanged numbers, and shortly after, we pretty much became pretty inseparable when it comes to gigs. So we do gigs together regularly, weekly. Um, and not only that, we became we built a real good friendship. I consider him probably one of my best friends. So um, if we're not DJing, I'm at his house cooking dinner with his family, his wife, and vice versa. We we just it's a work friendship. So it's cool. That's awesome. I mean, he is he's he's a DJ's DJ. I mean, we we've all read his book, and he just talks about how his career just evolved. So I mean, how exciting is that to learn from a master? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, because everyone knows him as the new wave DJ, classic alternative bands like you know, the Smith, Pure, yeah. Mode, That's him. But believe it or not, he's he'll probably tell you this in person. He's probably more fond of his disco days than he is yeah. his K-Rock because he no one really talks about that. But he constantly says those were those were great days, and I I feel that he was probably more fond of disco days than the new wave days. Which crap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know both are good either way. So well, and and we all know Duran Duran was influenced by Chic and The Godfather and Isle Rogers. So there's that little bit of disco that I'm sure that well, it was, it was their uh, era. It was, it was the yeah. time Duran guys were growing up. They were into disco, like John, uh, and at the yeah. same time. Who was pounding the pavement playing disco at these clubs? So yeah. I, I remember one time we took a trip to um, San Francisco. We drove up from LA to San Francisco for a gig, and we just drove. It's like a six-hour drive, and no joke, the whole ride there, Richard goes, oh, "I'm gonna play some disco music." I was like, "Cool." And he literally had hundreds of disco songs ready, and we listened to disco from when we left to when we got to San Francisco. Every song that went on, he had a story for. It. Oh man, I played this song <laughs> at this club in Norway or uh, Switzerland or whatever, Spain, and he would tell a story regarding that song and that era, which is really cool. I just listen to cool stories, and um, he, so cool. yeah, he's very much disco. So, what is your favorite disco song? Do you have one that I stump you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of different ones. You know, you have all your mainstream top 40 ones that everybody likes, like Casey Sunshine Band and Gloria Gaynor's and all that fun stuff. I was blasting the other day again. I love that this album by Candy Stratton, the, uh, Young Hearts. <laughs> yes, that's one of my favorites. And on my stereo, it sounds great. I blast that. I love that. I like Donna Summers a lot, too. And, oh, yeah. And I was really much, very much into the village people. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, because uh, you know, I, was a kid. I was a kid when they were hot, and I'm like, yeah. they look like superheroes, different characters. Yeah. I just, so, I just watched the documentary about the guy that produced Grease, and then he also produced the movie about village people that can't stop the music. It was quite a crazy time. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do like that was one of my first uh, disco uh, love right there. That and the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. That's oh, what I yeah. was gonna say. Yeah. Used to listen to the Bee Gees' Greatest Hits and pretend I was a DJ. So I would put the record on my record player, and I have my little tape recorder and I would record myself announcing the next song that was coming up from that BT record. So from Saturday Night Fever. 
Well, now from the, the, the white gate oh, yeah, yeah. greatest hits record was so awesome to me. So I love that you mentioned the Saturday Night Music Fever thing because that was the definition of disco. I mean, beyond like yeah. what then became Blondie and, you know, Niall, of course. I think I was listening to Niall when I was like six years old or something. So, And of course, we can't be our age and not have been influenced by the village people somehow. I mean, really. We still do the YMCA every time we hear it, you know. That's like pop music. And as a kid. Like yeah, but any other DJs out there that you admired or you liked or were perhaps influenced by or any that you oh, still yeah. would like to meet or anything? You know, I'm sure you've probably met quite a few, but... Yeah, I, I, I actually came from the, the school of DJs that were into scratch, so I'm very much into hip-hop. Growing up, there was a crew, they're still probably one of the most respected crews out there, they're called the Beat Junkies. Uh, they go into the world-famous Beat Junkies, and they're actually assembled from Cerritos, California, which is an area I went to high school, so, and they were always cool kids in the neighborhood. Well, they were pretty bad back then, and even today, they're a force known around the world as probably the best talented, one of the best talented DJ crews in the world. So yeah. they were constantly scratching records, juggling beats, and doing technical stuff that I still strive to be today. I, I'm not a fan of the EDM DJs that do all the hard hands and throwing cake and uh, <laughs> yeah, dancing and throwing cake I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I understand they're doing their thing as entertainers, but as far as DJing-wise, that's definitely not what I strive to do or do I have interesting because it's equivalent to someone who could really sing really good and then they see someone doing auto-tune singing and fake singing and it's kind of like and they're making all the money and getting all the fame exactly. and kind of, you know, yeah that's not, that's not cool. but yeah I'm, I'm more into like the scratch dj the technical juggling turntables and beats um so yeah that the, the beat junkie crew is probably one of the crews i look up to as well as uh, like the invisible scratch pickles that's a uh, dj cuba from san francisco mix master mike is in that crew dj short uh, you know, Mixmaster Mike is now right. doing this thing with BC Boys DJ forever and yeah. Yeah. touring Metallica and doing everything yeah. there. Yeah. So the, that's the that's It's funny when you said that, you know, the, the one of the DJs that came to mind was Mixmaster Mike. You were, you were talking, so. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. that's, you, When you see him perform, you see technically he's basically just yeah. a nine people's turntables. Right. That's what I love. And I'm not a fan of like, those guys who switch played and went down don't even touch the turntables. So, so yeah. Grand, Grandmaster Flash was on the 80s cruise, and yeah. I watched that hip-hop, Jody, what was it, the hip-hop documentary hip-hop on Netflix? Evolution? Yes, and they talked about mm-hmm. how he was kind of the first one to use the turntable as an instrument, and then that's kind of with the scratching, so it's really yeah, yeah. very yeah, interesting. Pretty much, Rock was the first one to do what they call juggling, is they'll just grab like eight bars from one song, which is just an instrumental part, and he'd yep. grab the same part of the second record and just go back and forth, so you never actually hear the song, just hear that loop going back and forth. And it was cool with them guys with MC over it, kind of hype, the hype man talking over it. It was cool. Yeah. Well, so, well respected DJ. You mentioned Africa Bambata earlier. Were you a fan of that style of, of hip hop, oh, rap, whatever came oh, up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff I love. The whole Africa Bambada, the whole wild style scene, New York Bronx and all that, Beastie Boys, Run DMC and Curtis Blow and LL, those guys were like it for me. Like growing up, I, I, I had a 
lot of love for hip hop music. A lot. Mm -hmm. That whole they pretty much broke hip hop between the dancing, the the break dancing, and the graffiti. Yeah. Uh, that that was uh, that was cool. Back. That's why I wanted because I was fascinated with scratching videos and seeing the DJ scratched. I was like, that, that's what I wanted to do. Well, they made it, it look so effortless. Yeah, right? yeah. It was just yeah, and it was so new and it was it was rebellious as a kid. Blocking, yeah. Right? But I have a question. So when did you start listening to Duran? Were you listening to Duran Duran at the same time, or did they come before or yeah. after, or where did Duran come in? Yeah, same time. I was um, you know, I was a, I was young. I was a kid back then. So anything pop, you know, I don't try to come across as oh, I like such a such obscure band from the UK. Blah blah blah. No, I was a kid. I like pop music. I like Duran Duran. I like Hughes and Listen News. I like Call the Notes. I like Run DMC. Pop music. I've always liked Duran Duran ever since I was uh, first video I think I saw was like you know, either Girls on Film or Planet Earth, one of those. And I have an older brother, and he has teenagers. So oh, Duran Duran is cool. So they were cool to me. Then he knew what was up. But I've always listened to that kind of uh, music. Well, I had my MTV, so I was glued to it all the time. And it was funny because as I got older, and I was DJing a lot of gigs and house parties and school dances and stuff, and the the mainstream music was. R&B and hip hop and dance music, but I was the guy that always still listened to K rock music, uh, you know, new wave and classic material on the side. So all my friends was constantly found they're listening to this album by such and such raps artists or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna go listen to some of this Depeche Mode I have there. They would always clown me. <laughs> I like I like it all. So you know, Duran Duran was always there from the beginning. Do you house. have favorite Duran Duran songs that you play? Like, is there a crowd that would that you would cater certain Duran Duran era to a, a different situation, or a, like, how do you pick what songs play? Yeah, when you when you're playing for a club, like a or a party or you know, a crowd that appreciates that music, you really gotta play the main. You gotta play, you know, Girls on Film, Rio, yeah. the same stuff they play on their set. That's why they do. Yeah. What they do. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Sounds like a set. <laughs> oh, yeah. so that's what you'll play. But, you, you know, if you're at a party and you try to drop new religion or, you know, my own way or something like that, you're going to lose everybody there except that one person says, oh, man, this is <laughs>
because I don't play it. And now that person's like, oh, that DJ sucks. He didn't win all those songs. And, right, right. And, so is it, is it better for the crowd just to request the artist and maybe not specific songs because it gives you a little more flexibility? The best thing for coming from behind the booth, yeah. the best thing for people on that side to a DJ is to go, hey, how you doing? First of all, you good? Okay. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, then go, hey, when you get a chance, can you play some Adam Ant or some Depeche Mode or some Susie or something? When you get a chance, okay, you're doing great. And that's it. And that DJ yeah. will remember that. But when they come up to you and they hold their phone and say, could you play this song and have their YouTube thing open and do that right away where they're cut off. So that's like a DJ uh, culture thing we see all the time. And it's just one of our things that just ruffles our feathers. That was actually going to be one of my questions for you. It's like, how do you handle those people that keep coming up and just want to keep hearing Casey and the Sunshine Band or something? And you answered that perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you got to be respectful because at the end of the day, most likely these people are kind of having a good time, having drinks, and anything you say and offend them it might get amplified. You know, you're 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 getting paid to work. And I, I don't want someone to say, damn, that guy was a jerk. You know, I don't. Some DJs don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. But I don't want someone to think I'm a jerk when they walk away. So you got to be polite. Kind of tread lightly around. I'm sure you're super polite, Steven. I'm sure you're not being a jerk. Yeah, it's tough. We all <laughs> Like yeah, it's tough. When you're in a when you're in an atmosphere where most of the people there are intoxicated and yeah. not really being logical, you're normal working. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to, sometimes hard to reason. So you got to try your best to like, especially <laughs> yeah, especially when you're getting paid there. I had another question because you play a lot of videos along with the songs that you're playing. So do you just have a really great collection of videos just right there with you, or how how do you coordinate that with the visuals? Um, it was something that was brought to the scene about really brought to the scene. Probably was there before, but around 2006, okay. and video DJ became a bigger. And I hopped on it right away because I was fascinated with music videos, and I thought, sure, why not? It'd be cool, and it'll give me one leg up over the next guy. And a lot of guys, at least in the new wave scene, didn't hop on years and years later. So I had a really good jump start. Um, and that's one thing that when I told you I met Richard late in 2007, he was watching what I was doing and watching the screens and watching the events on the screen. <laughs> and he was asking me questions like this. He's never seen it. Okay. And, and I guess that's what maybe how he remembered me and met it because eventually when he had me do shows, he asked me, bring your video show. Okay. I said, let's, I said, let's do it just like video one and MV3. And I would play the video and he would introduce the video on Mike with his voice and the next video and he'll tell a story about the video and then we play the song. And, um, That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, as a video wise, I accumulated a lot of videos. And when I first started doing this video, they weren't available. So what I had to do is I had to go to DVDs, VHS tapes, and grab videos. <laughs> but, the, the, but the sound quality was crappy, especially on VHS tapes. So I would have to get the high quality, you know, CD file and edit it together so they sync and then create a playable file. So I had an old video of a newer audio, and it was just it was a lot of work. Every song I had to do that. I put wow. thousands of hours editing video together. But that's awesome. Yeah, kind of accumulated. Uh, Big collection now, so I play pretty, pretty good, solid uh, new wave '87 one. 
speaking of collectors, so then roughly how many albums do you own and, and CDs? Um, all of them. <laughs> ever made. <yeah. laughs> no, I, I, actually, I actually don't have that big of a music collection. I have things I want, but I, I definitely don't have stuff just to have it because then you just have too much stuff to keep track of. I listen to a lot of records on my free time. Stephanie sees me always posting pictures of my vinyl. And I like to sit back and just play records on my record player. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but as of music files, yeah, I have pretty much most of the songs out. We're all familiar with nowadays um, in digital time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen pictures of things you've posted too, and I, I'm always like, damn, he's got good taste. <laughs> it yeah. always seems so nice. I mean, I love listening to my record player too, but I like also seeing other people's things and what they might be listening to at the time. You've got some really good stuff that you would do. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know if you noticed, but you know, since when I do gig, I'm playing a majority of our music, like classic new waves and stuff. So you'll notice on my, when I do post records I'm listening to, hardly ever do you ever see me posting new wave stuff, huh? Yeah, that's that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's usually point. R&B or 70s, easy listening or something, but it's, it's like you hear the same song. I mean, it's it's sad because playing those songs every week for a show, it kind of kind of taints your memory from those songs that you loved as a kid because you loved it back then. And now when, when I play it, it doesn't take me back to that era because I've played so long. I've never thought of it that way, but I could see how that, how that happens, even to artists who are playing like up on stage playing the same song night after night or year after year or whatever. I could see that happening and you just kind of lose, you lose that connection to it because it's just a job now. Yeah, it's just like any song. If you think of a song that took you back to that one moment in time, and let's say you worked at an office or a retail job or something, and that song was on a playlist on over speaker every day in time, it's going to kind of take away from that memory you had back then. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of everything I heard in the 90s. <laughs> Those songs I'm done with now. <laughs> yeah. You're over Jumbo Wumba. <laughs> over Jumbo oh. oh, oh, my God. Oh, 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 yikes. Okay. So I will, I will talk about Chumbawamba or Smash Mouth. My love for them. So this has been such a great conversation. Anything to wrap up? Any final? No, no. This is fun chat, you guys. I mean, we could probably get in a whole conversation about just Duran Duran, huh? Yeah. Oh. We could talk for hours and hours about Duran Duran. Yeah. I, my question for you, Stephen: As soon as that new single drops, are you going to have it in your DJ set? <laughs> We're waiting. Yeah, have to play just. For you guys, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll request yeah. it. How's yeah, that? yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll just need another special Duran Duran live stream night. That would be super fun. And then <laughs> hey, we, we, we could do a cherry ice cream smile one. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could. Yeah, that would be really fun. Let's plan that. Then you can promote it to your people, and then yeah, we could just give us a reason to play all Duran Duran and Duran influence music, right? Yeah, yeah. super. Fun, yeah, especially with the summer coming up. I think that sounds like a very taste the summer thing to do. Yeah. Ooh, look at you. I will say this, Stephen. I know you have a birthday coming up, so I would like to publicly wish you a happy birthday. Happy um, birthday! And Agnes Ask Birthday Twin is your partner in crime, Mr. Richard Blade, as well. It was very easy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we share the same birthday, so every year it's planned. What are we doing? Me and him, we don't care. We're like, yeah, whatever, sure, whatever. He's like, yeah, I don't care either. Then the girls are always like, oh, we got to do this and do that. We got to go here. 
And me and Richard just look at each other like, whatever. Yeah, we can sit around a house and drink a beer. We don't care. Yeah. Everybody. What's happening this year? I don't know. The rumor is that um, we're supposed to go out to King's Head in Santa Monica. That's our I was going to say that. I swear to God, I was like, you're gonna, y'all are going to see you. Yeah, that's the English pub that we frequent and hang out at. And, you know, it's an English pub. So Rich is right at home. He starts talking to people. People talk to him. And they all sound like, <laughs> they all like well. Harry Potter talking. Everyone's all in their class and talk. And that place is really cool. If you ever go there, check it out. It's called... Uh, the old King's Head um, okay. on the beach, English pub. But um, Richard always tells me stories in that place because I have, that's been there forever. He's like, you see that booth right there? <laughs> <laughs> he, goes, he goes, back in 1983, I said, <laughs> it's a good story. He says, I sat in that booth and we crammed a small booth. We fit me, George Michael, Andrew Ridgely, and all the guys from Spandau on that one booth together to eat that travel anywhere in Texas for shows so oh. when Duran's on tour we will make the rounds between the cities so we definitely will make a road trip up to, to Dallas to you guys yeah, see yeah. y'all y'all yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're playing a gig there in September um, oh awesome yeah it's on I thought a, it was later September 25th and it's actually it's a fundraiser it's called a retro dance party we do it every year and it's a fundraiser we play it and they sell tickets and a lot of people come dressed up and there's like these cover bands and we're playing the music and it's kind of cool it's all over there in uh, I think like South Lake I believe that's where it's at South Lake okay. we'll be out there September 25th and we're looking forward to it because we do it every year and it's always a good time oh cool I just took notes I thought it was later in the year like December or something so September sounds great yeah yeah September 25th it's been moved around a couple times due to COVID restrictions by right now you can get more information at the retro dance party.com so okay awesome 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 thanks thank for you, joining friends. us thank you thank you so much that was good we'll see you around great have a good night okay, thank yes, you bye. bye 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 thank you for tuning in to the cherry ice cream smile podcast We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and you can even find us if you ask Alexa. Make sure to also follow our Instagram page too. See you again real soon.